Konnichiwa! And hey y'all! I am Leslie. And I'm Laurie. And welcome to Sumo Kaboom! Where we talk about all things sumo. That's right. Today we are talking about English sumo commentary. Now lest you think it's a dry tale. No, no, no. No. It is a tale of diversity. Yes. It is a tale of figuring things out on the fly. And two unusual female expert leaders. More on that in just a moment. First, news flash. Okay, I saw something in the news, and this was a little story I had actually no idea about, but Yoshikaze is actually suing his hometown of Saiki City for his involvement in this publicity stunt that led to this major injury in his right ankle, and he was part of this publicity event, something about canyoning, where I think he either jumped off a cliff or was running down a mountain, I'm not exactly sure, but it led to this right ankle injury, which essentially led to the end of his his career because he retired soon thereafter. He said, I'm not blaming anyone and no one hates me. And the mayor actually told me he would do everything he could. But attorneys for both sides discussed the issue of compensation. And Yoshikaze actually wanted a settlement from the beginning, but now it has turned into a trial. But he said he was kind of like paralyzed in his right ankle. And so since it ended his career, he's asking for compensation. Interesting. I wonder if they were pressuring him into doing something that he was uncomfortable doing. I don't know. It was for his hometown. So I imagine he was like, they they all kind of have to do these publicity things and their hometown. They're very connected to the fans back in their hometown. So I'm sure he wanted to or he was asked to participate in this event. It just happened to be a somewhat dangerous event Hmm. in which he hurt himself so bad that it ended his career. Also, some interesting, fun news. If you live in Tokyo or Japan, the tournament will have more spectators, raised from 2,500 to now 5,000, which the arena seats 11,000. So it's basically at half full. And the boxes will now have two people. And then every seat will have one seat, two empty now, as opposed to one seat, four empty now. I think that's what they did last time. And then we will see the people down at the ringside as well. And they will be only sponsors and officials. So it's not going to be just any old random... Uh, Yahoo that could get a seat down at the ring but they'll be back so it's going to look like a little bit more full in the audience they are taking temperatures they're going to be offering masks if somebody happened to forget theirs (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I think that they'll still have very strict rules about Mm -hmm. how to attend this and keep everyone safe they're kind of letting up a little bit of their guard and seeing if they can do this one safely again. I hope it works. I hope it does. I hope it does. All right. Now let's get to the hubbub of all the news this week, which is this Degeka that's been happening. All right. So it's basically a who's who Mm -hmm. of this joint training session. And it's been reported on daily, but it really is kind of fun to watch because it's all the big dogs who have decided to show up, including Takaho. I know. Wouldn't you just give $500 just to sit there and be there in the room during this training? Well, this one, yeah, I'd pay more. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's Shodai. It's Takake show. Mm-hmm. It's Hakaho, which they said was a surprise. Could you imagine all the guys who were like, oh, uh-huh. oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's back. He's basically just lended his chest to guys. But I think on the third day, he really started working out a little bit with, well, 
Ikioi. He was doing Tachi Ai with Ikioi. <laughs> Poor Ikioi. I love Ikioi. <laughs> well, um, but can you imagine your first day back? You've got Hakaho. And you're well, like, and Hakaho picks oh. you, like, out of all of them. I don't know what that says. Oh. But he also picked Kiribayama to do some work with. Hakaho said he was a little nervous, but he said the anxiety is lessening each day. He feels he's getting stronger. He's obviously not going full steam ahead. Yep. But some of the wrestlers are, like Takakesho and Shodai. So they're apparently doing this only they are sparring with each other kind of deal. Okay. Basically, Takakesho each day has kind of been owning Shodai. But Shodai also showed up practicing and getting his body back in shape a whole week later because of his victory tour yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. So he's admitted that, like, yeah, mentally, physically, he's certainly not there, but each day it's coming back. So Takakesho is like guns ablazing, ready to crush this next tournament and i think both of the ozekis are looking to kind of show shodai what it's all about as an ozeki it's a fine line that they're all walking between rest and recovery after injury and getting ready for the basho and building strength it's a lot of listening to your own limitations from your own body and trying not to go too far too fast so it's a delicate balance that they're all trying to hold on to nobody wants to get hurt exactly you don't want to get hurt now they also haven't been able to do this for six or seven months. I know. And this is such a huge, important part of the process and getting yeah. their bodies ready for this next tournament. So even though it's shorter, it is kind of like this little super team of people practicing. Of course, unless you're from Oitakaze Stable, which is like the Dae Show, Endo, Tobizaru, mm-hmm. all those guys, they can practice within their own stable because there's other incredible top level wrestlers to wrestle with Mm -hmm. but these guys are amazing wrestlers and may not have the quality of wrestler that they need every single day to go up and challenge them so it's pretty interesting but that's been fun that's all i've got in the news department i was excited to see hakaho at it again i think he gets excited at like being there lives for this stuff yeah he really does even when the uh yokozuna Council has given him a little bit of shade. Oh, they have been yeah, giving him much he, shade. He he gave shade back. He's I know, like, relax. I, I, I have been him. gone before, and I came back and won some you shows. So just back off. I know, but I kind of love all way. the gossip they have about like the Yokozuna Deliberation Council. In every description, they're like, it's a bunch of like crazy old men who I just know. have strong opinions. Like you literally see that description, a bunch of old men who have and, nothing to do with sumo wonder, other than complain. Yeah. So they must get a lot of like but black I, behind the scenes. From I wonder this who's group. translating that though. Why would he really say that? Or does that come from other people around yeah, him? Yeah, it's a in... common p- opinion. I, this is not the first time I've seen it. Other publications have also described the Yokozuna Deliberation Council as just a bunch of old men. So maybe are not only... important other than they have this strong opinion that they feel the wrestlers should do things and so... the wrestlers are like back off. All right, let's talk. English language coverage of Sumo on Japan's national broadcaster NHK began in 1992. Because in 1991, the JSA went to London, and it was, according to every article I've looked at it, it was a wild success. They had some okay. sort of, like, demonstration in London, and people went crazy, and sumo. suddenly, yeah, and people around the world started to ask for sumo broadcasts in English. 
after mm-hmm. that point. So the very first broadcasts were done each and every day of the tournament, all 15 days. And interestingly, it started with three men, three American men on air who actually didn't know very much about the sport itself. Huh. Yeah. But they were English speaking. And I don't know why they were hired initially, but it was these guys and then English speaking like stable masters and ex wrestlers. Okay. There was even the first ever foreign winner of the Emperor's Cup was on air, Takamiyama. But he hated it, hated being on air in the beginning because he was shy and when he was a little bit embarrassed about his raspy voice, I guess. Oh, I like a rasp. I do too, but he also tended to forget what he was saying mid-sentence. I completely identify with that. His co-host would have to, I guess, like step in and finish his sentences by imitating his raspy voice. Oh, no. (laughs) So It's like a a ventriloquy. Yeah. Did I just make up a word? Ventriloquy. (laughs) I might have. A ventriloquist sort of operation? Yeah, it was a little bizarre in the beginning. Things didn't go quite right. Yeah, I wouldn't Uh, say that would be the best way to go about that. Commentating? No. like imitating the voice of the person (laughs) commentating next to you. That would be very rude, in my opinion, if I was the person being imitated. I I guess he didn't didn't mind too much, though. He was probably... Go ahead. Do my voice. Do my voice. Just keep keep going. They'll never know I'm gone. (laughs) Never know. And then he just runs out for a corn dog and then comes back. (laughs) The UK does not have corn dogs. (laughs) Nor does Japan, I'm sure. In fact, we call them corny dogs, but that's because we're Texan, but... Anyway, so, that's side anyway, note. That's, that's how English commentating began in Japan. Budgets. I had heard, I don't know if this is the same thing, but the tournament in which they had hired guys who were commentators, but they were used to like other sports, yeah, like baseball. Was, yeah, I think that was these three guys. Okay, yeah. They they were like, oh, we'll get some commentators. Yeah. And they were like, oh, now oh. what's the sport? <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, that guy pushed that guy. Oh, mm, not oh at all. that was exciting. Not at all like baseball. <laughs> So anyway, budgets got a little tighter in the beginning. Guest appearances no longer happened. Things shifted and NHK thought, you know what? Maybe we need some experts. Maybe we need some people who have more knowledge about the sport of sumo itself. And lo and behold, they found two incredible women to start coming on as guest commentators. And that's who we're talking about today. These two female experts that came in to share their love and knowledge of sumo with the world. That's right. And I'd like to say that a big part of how we come into sumo is how we're able to grasp onto it because of language. So I'll give you a little side story of how I came into it, which we've talked about it before. But When I lived in Japan, there was this really nice guy who was basically put in charge of keeping track of all of these American idiots that came over to work at Tokyo Disney. His name was Hideki-san, but he's the one who taught us Japanese, and he also was the first person to bring me to a sumo tournament. And he, as we went through it, would explain what's happening. Mm -hmm. So at that time, I was very lucky to have somebody with me to be like, they wear a mawashi, and this is the name of this technique and all of that. You were very lucky. And even though Hideki-san is no longer with us, I am extremely thankful for what he gave us. And for a lot of people, that's how Doreen Simmons came into their life and gave them essentially the love of sumo. Now, she was on the air for 25 years Mm -hmm. for the NHK. And I just like to say, though, coming back into sumo recently, there's a lot to love about the current commentators. Like, I love... 
hero because mm-hmm. he has these really possibly made up idioms like um, closer than a hair on a gorilla, he said at the last tournament. And I, I did look it up and I was like, origin of closer than a hair on a gorilla. And maybe I've heard it, maybe I've not, or it just made so much sense, but it didn't make sense. I don't know. But he is so eager and yeah. he is so positive. Raja is the same. He's the one who'll put on basically a mawashi and like an earnest try to wrestle an actual sumo wrestler. Yeah, be thrown around a ring. Right. He doesn't laugh about it. He like takes it very serious <laughs> where the rest of us are like, oh my God, bro, like don't. Don't get hurt. Don't do that. And then there's Murray, who's just old grumpy pants. He's just grumpy. But I do appreciate his brutal honesty. Like you get Uh no filter. And so I appreciate the the skepticism because it's good to hear like balanced out against Hero and Raja. But then lastly, John Gunning, because he's actually had experience wearing the Mawashi, actually doing the sumo. So I always appreciate their contributions to commentating and what it brings to me and the knowledge I have about sumo. Yeah. But like you said, before all of these guys, there were some spectacular women doing the commentating. Yeah. And I will say at least Hero has uh, has said he really looks back fondly on these two female commentators that we're about to talk about. He said that he really misses having their female voices on the commentary team and he greatly admires their ability to succeed in a male-dominated world of sports media. I mean, think about it at the time. Yeah. Just think Still about now. it. now. Also to think about NHK being like, uh, we've, we've looked at all the dudes and like not one of them can work. So let's take a shot on a teeny tidy lady from London or not London. She's from Nottingham, actually. Maybe she just blew them away. Well, Maybe she, did. she walked into the meeting and they were like, you are exactly what we've been missing. Yes. Well, Doreen Simmons was born in 1932 in Nottingham, England, to a civil servant father and a mother who was a store manager. And she was, as a child, fascinated with cricket. The game, the not game. the not, insect. Not, yeah, not the insect. And also literature. And she went on to study theology and classics at Cambridge in the early 1950s. Upon graduation, I kind of get a sense of who this woman is. She taught Latin and Greek at this British Army school in the 1960s, and she was a real traveler like I felt like she had a wanderer spirit about her yeah she definitely did she got married and ended in divorce not that that's important to her story but I think that there was something about her that was like I have to go beyond this world that I know here in England and so she never remarried and in 1968 she went to Japan and she stayed in this rural village and I'm not exactly sure why she was there other than she just wanted to wander and she saw a sumo tournament on TV and something about that must have stuck mm-hmm. stuck in her as and as we say in the south stuck in a crawl um which I don't know. Stuck in her crawl. I guess people do say that. I don't hear that that often. I hear it more like Alabama, Georgia. Stuck in a crawl. Yeah. It doesn't sound good, does it? No, it doesn't. It sounds like your butt crack. Is that what it, a Stuck crawl? Stuck in a crawl. I don't know what a crawl actually is. <laughs> it's a butt crack? Surely it can't be. It can't be a butt no. crack. Well, anyway. Yeah, maybe look it up. Actually, hold on. Hold on. Okay, so it means to disturb the peace of mind of someone, especially by repeated disagreeable acts. So it's not butt crack. Uh, It's a mind. A totally different (laughs) end of the spine. (laughs) Well, anyway, now we know what stuck in one's crawl means. Back to Doreen. So 
something about Japan at that time must have stuck in her mind, mind. her craw. And <laughs> so, so, or her butt uh, crack. But it, Who does, knows? it starts with the same first three letters. I know. I will it's, say so, that. it's so hard to not think butt crack now. Anyway. Okay. Back to the actual episode. Okay. Oh so it made an impression. And five years later, she decided to make more of a permanent move to Japan with a job offer of teaching in the International Language Center. So she also had a little side-gigging job with the foreign press. She would edit the translations for the press releases. I had this weird side note of, like, do you believe in, like, previous lives? Or do you believe people have interest in certain things just because, like, maybe in a prior life they like were Japanese or I, I have this theory that I was a pioneer woman, which explains why I your interest in jam and my exactly and making and breads bread. and like, yeah. yeah, I also preserving. Ha- yeah, I also hate the wind and on the plains that I'm sure pioneer women hated it. They did. Too. It drove them crazy. <laughs> So I was like, I must have been. That's evidence. I must evidence have that been you were a pioneer woman, woman in the Midwest. In the plains. In the plains. <laughs> anyway, I think Doreen must have been Japanese in her prior life because she loved it. And so her fascination with sumo really, really came into fruition around 1974 when she saw a live tournament for the first time. And after that, she made an effort to see as much of the tournaments as she possibly could. So she worked at night and she would go to the tournaments and watch all day until she had to go to work at night. She would also watch every Saturday and every Sunday. She was now a full-fledged fan. And when she met other knowledgeable sumo fans, her understanding of the sport deepened and she began to write about sumo in the Kansai Time Out in 1983 and as a contributor to the magazine Sumo World from 1987 on. Now, in 1992, she became a commentator for the NHK. Originally, to give her insight because the commentators, like we said, were more knowledgeable about baseball. Like, and uh, Well, if this was a game of baseball, this would have happened. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. She knew the ins and outs of sumo. She could actually break down the kimurite and explain the traditional aspect of the sport. And after all, she had been a fan of the sport and watching it consistently since 1974. So 18 years of looking at a sport, she probably knew what she was talking about. And she remained there for 25 years and became a beloved voice to many, many sumo fans, especially in the UK, and gave a lot of her insight to the sport to those who had no access to the sport. Mm She also was a sponsor of, she had her favorite stable. I always called the Mitake Yumi stable, the Dewanumi stable. And that's the one she lived across the street yes, from? Yes. And it's literally across the street from her favorite stable. And she became a sponsor there. What I love about this is at that point, she would have been what, like in her 60s? She started commentating at like 59 or 60. Yeah. So she was an older lady and so excited about living across the street from a bunch of teenage boys yeah. who were getting up early in the morning to become sumo wrestlers and oh, yeah. work out early in the morning, loved cheering them on. So they must have just been like, who is this crazy old lady across the street? They were, and they welcomed her. And I mean, she at that point was obviously well known because she was a commentator, uh-huh. but a lot of women don't have privileges to actually see where the guys live. And she obviously could go in and would watch as a sponsor, as a main sponsor for the stable, watch the practices. But she also got a little bit of, I think, the backstage tour. I love it. Yeah, which is kind of forbidden. And they actually had an obit for her on their on their stable blog. Yeah, yeah. So she really, really meant a lot to them. And, and she was a little, like, oh, frail-looking 
tiny Teens. little woman, right? Teensy. Yeah. Like these men towered over her and must have loved her and respected her for all the work she did. Yes. She actually passed away, unfortunately, in 2018 at age 85, but she had been commentating straight up to like a few months before. Yeah, that one she month passed. before. Yeah, that's what one I read. Month? Yep. Wow. In 2017, before she passed, she was awarded the Order of the Rising Sun, which is an honorary prize to those who have made distinguished achievements in international relations, promotion of Japanese culture, advancements in their field, development in welfare or preservation of the environment. And hers was for her contributions to sumo. After listening, though, to one of her, she did this TED Talk at Meiji University, you get a sense she is obviously an odd bird, and there was something about her because I I think we're definitely in the odd bird category. <laughs> I think we share we share something with Doreen. Yeah, well, we both have like I we love international travel. We love the culture of other countries and people and traditions, the history of it. And when she said she she came into the sport, her interest was in the beginning was the exact same interest of mine. It's like, why are they throwing the salt? Well, it's for purification of the ring. What's the ritual around it? The history, the rich history surrounding it. And that's what interested her. Yeah, there's just something unique about the people who are fans of sumo. There's just something about us that says we're interested in other cultures, this beautiful sport from far away, and we want to know more about it. Yeah. And we want to have a better understanding of it. So she said some interesting things also in this TED Talk. Yes, she did a TED Talk in Japan. Is that where it happened? Yeah, Meiji University. Yeah. It's a really lovely TED Talk that you can still you can still watch today online. Yeah. Oddly, you can't really find, hopefully some of our listeners can bring to light some of her commentating, but I think the NHK puts a clamp down on any sort of old video of yeah. her. And I'm desperate to hear more of her commentating because it would be really lovely to just hear her voice ringside. Yeah. If anybody has... If anybody knows how we could get a line on that and watch some of that, I would love to watch it too. She said, though, if you want to get involved in watching sumo, start, I think like she did, go early in the day, find the young wrestlers, cheer them on, because those are the guys that don't have the fan clubs yet. And if you want to build a relationship with a young wrestler, then like be their fan. Hako has enough. Mm -hmm. So does Asanoyama. So does Shodai. They all have fan clubs and millions of fans. They could care less about you. Uh they haven't met me yet. That's true. That's true. Hakuho's and once they gonna do, love me Hakuho's, when he meets me. I'm absolutely sure. He's going to leave his wife and love you and move to Texas. But they appreciate you. And I and I like that in general, just supporting anybody from the ground up. Going to the Consulates Cup last yeah. week and just supporting people from the ground up. You got to have a cheerleading squad. Mm -hmm. So I like that she said that. Other fun facts. She loved music. Mm -hmm. She was in the choir. She played drums. Irish drums and African drums. Mm -hmm. She could be seen around town playing her drums in pubs. Love her. Uh -huh. She... Got her first tattoo at 71 when she went to Mongolia uh -huh. to work for um, Habitat for Humanity. She bungee jumped at 68 and when she was in Australia. And she also did a little advice column under the under her fake name, Aunt Eva. And she would write all things about writing. This is for the Society of Writers, Editors, and Translators. So she did lots of things. Yes, she did. She lived her life in glorious color. That's right. 
And thank goodness she was a color commentator for Mm -hmm. the NHK and brought so many people into sumo. Yes. I also love the fact that she was known as a fiercely independent woman. She was known as being (laughs) very irreverent and funny and just a character her entire life. I love her. Yeah. Just to be a maverick, to blaze your own trail, to be the first sumo commentator. First female. Female. Yeah. Yeah. And then to turn around and tell people, boldly follow your own path. Do not do what everyone tells you to do. Follow your own interests. Right. And and no one's going to, like, allow you into the room. You kind of have to just do your own thing. Then they'll invite you into the room. You can if you're a hero. (laughs) That's exactly how Hero became a commentator. Oh, really? Yes. He was hired at NHK, and he was really into sumo, but he was doing something else for NHK. And he just went down to the producer's office and knocked on the door and said, hey, can I have a shot at commentating this sumo stuff? And they were like, sure. He's the only one with that story, though. Oh, the other guys came that. in different ways. But I can understand that. He's so enthusiastic. He truly, yes. truly loves it. I think yes. that's why. He might be my second crush behind, I think, maybe Kiribayama or Sanayama. <laughs> he would be a good match for you, I think. You think? Is yes. he single? I don't know. We're going to have to look him up. We have to look it up. He might be your next crush because I can totally see him jiving with you. Yeah. What is this podcast that we make? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Back so to let's, sumo. Let's talk about the other lady that came in as an expert. Her name is Katrina Watts. Originally from Sydney, Katrina intended to go to Japan for just a couple of years to study Japanese language and culture. She ended up staying for 25. (laughs) Again, teaching at a private women's university. So they have some similarities, these two women and their stories, interestingly. Like so many of us, she got fascinated by the sport of sumo and the traditions of sumo once she arrived in Japan. She started to go to practices. Interestingly, she has this really long hair that she keeps in a long braid, and she would show up with food. So all the sumo wrestlers would remember her. They'd go, oh yeah, she's the lady with the long braid, and she's the one that brings us biscuits. She used to show up with Anzac biscuits, which I totally forgotten about. What are they? Anzac biscuits. They're really popular in Australia and New Zealand. Like I had them in grad school in New Zealand a lot. They're just like really, sorry, Australians. They're really like crisp, tough, kind of like coconut tasting cookies. Oh. But they snap really hard. Oh, okay. Yeah, but they're really, really dry. (laughs) Well, I suppose you're supposed to like dip it in something. That's probably this is the land of Vegemites. So I know and Anzac biscuits. (laughs) So they love those. But I spent last summer in Sydney. Oh, that's right. You didn't have an Anzac biscuit over there. I did not. You know what they rock is the pavlova. Well, anyway, she would show up with her biscuits and her chocolate slice, which I had to look up. What is a chocolate slice? And it is a cookie bar with a chocolate glaze on it. So she would she would basically show up with sweet treats and her long braid and start practicing her. Japanese because she was there to study and learn more about that language and get to know these young wrestlers similar to Doreen. And she was developed into becoming this NHK guest commentator when they started their English language broadcast. 1995 through 2005, so for 10 years, wow. she was a commentator. In 1997, she was hired as the publicity director for International Sumo Federation and became an announcer for them eventually started traveling all around the world as a sumo commentator because she knows several languages that has allowed her to assist the JSA professionally and the International Sumo Federation 
and at the amateur level as an interpreter and stadium announcer for foreign tours and international competitions. Wow. In 2005, she became the Australian Sumo Federation president. Uh, she has since retired from that role, but she is still a board member now. And I think you will... In- specifically like this one, Leslie, she was an executive board member in setting up the Women's Sumo Federation, which started in Japan in 1996. Wow. So she was quoted in a New York Times article from 2010 as saying, I'd say sumo is a good sport for women because it's a body contact sport without being violent. So in 1996, when the Women's Sumo Federation was set up in Japan and they were trying to get more women into sumo, it was unthinkable that women would be involved in sumo. So it it was really quite a thing for her to come out and encourage women to get into sumo in Japan. Wow. Like she was really on the forefront of pulling women into this sport. And now in 2020... A woman in Japan can go to high school or can go to college on a sumo scholarship. There are now all-female sumo tournaments. So she was really at the forefront of that push to get women into the sport of sumo. Wow. So not only was she commentating, traveling the world as a stadium announcer for sumo tournaments and doing sumo commentary for NHK, she was also really behind this push to get more women into the sport of sumo. Which, when we have women, we can go to the Olympics. That is right. Eventually, she returned to Australia. Today, she's retired from TV commentating, and she retired as the president of the Australian Sumo Fed, but she's still very involved at home and abroad and remains a board member of the International Sumo Federation. So she still does interviews Uh, online about sumo she's still very involved in the sumo world and i just think it's fabulous that's inspiring yeah i think so too many thanks to all of the people who bring sumo to us when you don't speak japanese by the way our japanese is really coming along i can say it's hot and it's cold. I can order coffee and tea. And I can also tell you that I do not speak Japanese well. To those people who bring sumo to us in English, it's a really important role and we thank you. So even though now there are male commentators, it's a really cool thing to know that women brought a lot of men and women into the sport and they were Doreen Simmons and Katrina Watts. And I think there's room for more women to come back into that fold. Do you think in the one future? day we yes. can be ringside? Yes. Yes, yes I do. <laughs> Honestly, as I was doing my research this week, I was we like, have to have a vision oh my board. God, this could be a career path. No for one us. would no. The problem is we're too loud. We could not be anywhere close to the ring ourselves. because they'd be like, Who are these two loud yuck yucks? <laughs> Loud, very large women. We're not that large. You're 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, nine, nine, five, I'm 5'7". We are large. We're large. Yeah. Uh, but I, we would large. be the most enthusiastic people. And, and that's the problem. Off. That's the problem. We would not be throwing our cushions into the air. No, but we're talkative. We talk a lot. We could. They could just put us in a box so no one but our A listeners. box far away. <laughs> but yes, that's my dream. It's on my vision board to go there and commentate. <laughs> I think oh, first we need Lord to learn, help us. We need to learn a little bit more about the Kimarite. But you know, we're on our way and we can hold on to a vision. <laughs> okay, one story about Murray Johnson, who's a commentator now, right? Oh, yeah, Murray. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We all so, know Murray. We all know Murray. Grumpy Murray. Yeah. He 
He's so he comes from a racing nice. background. Oh, does he? Yeah, horse racing. He's really into horse racing and does commentary for horse racing. Now, NHK wanted him to be a commentator, and he actually turned them down for four years so that he could learn more about sumo. That's before cool. he felt ready, like before to, he felt like yeah. he knew enough about sumo to actually do a good job at it. So yeah. we're on our way. Yeah, we like, are. We're if on Murray our way. Can do it. Then we, we can, can do, do it. it. Yeah, I did see. Uh, I read something. Murray was actually kind enough to give an interview. I think it was on Tachiai blog. Shout out to Tachiai blog. But he um, he gave he answered some questions from some viewers or listeners, and um, I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. A lot of these commentators are actually pretty receptive to questions and reaching out to them. So I appreciate Murray, even in his little grumpy self, and he's, he's not a ray of sunshine. We all know that. But he's pretty cool, and he's very, very knowledgeable. So yes, I, I mad props to, to grumpy Murray. Uh, mad props to all of them. They all, all do a good job. Okay, so that's our style of sumo here at Sumo Sumo Kaboom. Please tune in again for more info on the sport we love. Send us your questions. Let us know what you want to know more about. So until later, I'm Laurie. And I'm Leslie. Thank you so much for listening. Sayonara. Sayonara. And see y'all later. I wonder how you say see you later in Japanese. Jamata. Remember? It was like lesson two. Jamata. Oh, jamata. Now I remember. (laughs) Or is that not it? I thought it was... Matane. Matane? I don't remember that. Oh, see, I need to go back and restudy. Sayonara. See y'all later.